Welcome to STEM Lab, where we discuss preparing students for success in a rapidly changing world. And here's your host, Michael Newsom. Very happy to have you here with us today on STEM Lab. Today I'm with my co-host, Dr. Nicole Kreger. She has a PhD in mathematics from Notre Dame. She's a former math department chair, and she's currently manager of one of our virtual programs here at the South Carolina Governor's School for Science and Mathematics. Nicole, I believe you just got back from a teaching conference in Michigan. How did that go? I did, Michael, and it was great. Uh, I love getting to be around lots of other educators who are excited about teaching and talking about how we best help our students. And I think some of the ideas I got out of the conference uh, will be things that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, Nicole, I've noticed you you always go to these conferences and you bring good things back, and, and we really appreciate that about you here at the Governor's School. Now, on STEM Lab, we like to bring in guests that will help STEM teachers, administrators, and policymakers. And today, we thought we would talk about academic success, how to help students succeed. My guest is Crystal Martinez. She is a coordinator here at the Governor's School uh, Virtual Engineering Certificate Program. And Crystal teaches new virtual students, of course, to help them adjust to the pace and rigor of her program. And she works one-on-one -on -one with students who are struggling with organization, time management, and study skills. Crystal, great to have you here and welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. I was, I'm was i so happy to be on here talking about student success. I was actually just reviewing some student, student emails this morning and I had an email from a student of mine who was having some difficulties in the program transitioning from the in-person to the virtual world. And I was just reading it and thinking about how clearly I could hear this student's voice as I was reading. And it just reminded me how in this work of student success, it's so important to really know our students to the point where though we haven't seen them maybe once or twice in person, we can still hear them through their different conversations with us virtually. Yeah, and, and Crystal, I know one of the interesting things about this program, it's a virtual program, so you have students all over the state of South Carolina, but you also sometimes get to go out and meet them in person. I know that that maybe not all uh, people involved in student success virtually can do that, but I, I'm interested in hearing a little bit later about how that works. One of the things that you have to do is get students used to that pace and rigor of a university-style system or even what we do here at the Governor's School. What would you say is the biggest challenge? What is it that students really need to learn? Being able to just know themselves. Transitioning from the, um, the not just ninth grade going into 10th grade or for the governor's school, uh, 10th grade going into the 11th grade, moving into a whole new school environment, all new expectations from their teachers can be really stressful and trying to find themselves within that transition and knowing what works for them in order to succeed is just huge. Crystal, is there anything special about the virtual environment that is particularly difficult for you? So what's significant to the virtual environment is that while students are right here, you have them. And then when they go off screen, when they go to their regular classes in their regular school, because our students are navigating two worlds. They are on screen with us and the rigor is new, the experience is new, but then they go back to their regular homeschool classes and they have their same um, classmates, they have their same teachers, and it's just a different environment. It's that going through the two worlds aspect. 
crystal, you're working with a virtual world. But uh, in this answer, you kind of indicate that this sort of support, this idea that we really are here to support you, we want to help you, we're interested in your academic success. That's something that a teacher can do at a regular high school, correct? I would say yes. Um, any teacher can be there to set, to support and um, open up to their students. Uh, I think it's the old saying that you always hear, and I've heard it a thousand and one times. They don't, they don't care what you know until they know that you care, and that's it's a true. It's just a hundred percent true. Um, I think classrooms, the culture of the classroom can be student-centered in getting to know your students and letting them know that it is, it's okay to be exactly who they are. And let's learn some science. Let's learn some math. For us, it's um, more open in that these skills that we're trying to teach them seem menial. Like they are tasks that everybody's doing every day but they're tasks that everybody is struggling with every day. You look at your parents and you might think, wow, they, they know how to manage their time. Yes, they're organized. Look at that. But in reality, everyone's just trying to keep their systems going. So it's just about being very, very candid in that. Well, Crystal, let me ask you this. I know your bachelor's degree is in secondary English and Spanish education, and you have a master's in instructional accommodation. I also know you're working on your doctorate right now. So you taught Spanish before coming to the governor's school, which is a STEM-centered school. Have you found there's any difference in helping the types of students in a STEM program versus other types of programs? Yes, I did uh, teach Spanish before coming into this STEM environment, and it was definitely a transition. Um, but I think that just focusing on the STEM world, it's just different kind of mindsets. Um, the teachers getting to know their students and that different kind of mindset is huge because since we are STEM focused, a lot of our, um, and that's another example of my role in the program. I am a liaison between all of these worlds of our teachers, our students, their schools, our program. So being able to kind of get the students to get comfortable with the mindsets of their teachers who might be more STEM focused rather than, I mean, one of our, one of my schools, I was talking to a principal and they were talking about that they're, they're very big on social emotional learning and, um, but with a different environment, different people getting to know different people that, uh, coming in and learning our instructors, that virtual world, it's like if you send off a text and somebody just reads it wrong. It's the same thing on a screen. You can say something to the students and because it's on this screen, uh, they can just take it differently. So it's about getting to know those different personalities and how to work with them as well. As a teacher, there's light bulb moments when students really kind of make that connection. Those are those are some of our favorite stories to think of students. And so working in student success, I'm sure you guys have stories of really being able to help a student succeed. So Crystal, do you have a, a story of, of student success that really worked out well for you? Yeah, I have a couple, but so one in particular, um, that kind of emphasizes on the importance of communication in the student success role, particularly when you're in a virtual um, environment, is that I had a student once, and and this is the other aspect of that virtual environment. 
at home, we need to know all the things that are going on with the students. So if there's something going on in their personal lives, no, we don't need to know the details, but something that's stressing them out, we want to know that so that we can help as much as possible. And like we are kind of a soft place to land. So though we don't get too far into those things, we still are able to um, just be aware of what's going on. So I had a student talk with me. Um, they were struggling with their grades, uh, particularly in chemistry, because of the labs. Um, the labs, you know, we'll have the virtual environment, but they're working in their schools and they're completing their labs. And sometimes they have to complete their labs at home and we send those materials to them. Well, this student in particular, I was talking with her and she informed me that right now what's going on at home is tough and she doesn't feel comfortable bringing the lab equipment around and all this stuff. So after talking with her, um, she's had several labs that were not turned in and for that reason. And that's not what we want to be what's blocking student success, right? So we communicate. I communicated with their, her school and um, we have facilitators at their schools. So I talked with their facilitator about getting, seeing if she can get a lab on campus, though it's not going to be for their school, but for our school, if there's a lab or a place where she can work on that lab. And they their facilitator set it up so that they can work on those labs at school instead. And that student started thriving because they were doing, they were able to do the work. And it was as simple as just communicating to me and me communicating to their facilitator and their instructor and just letting them know what's going on. Yeah, that's really nice to be able to see students who, you know, it looks like they're struggling and it, it reminds me of something we talked about at the conference. They, they put up a quote, a reminder that everybody's struggling with something, be kind always. And I think, Penny, you know, from the instructor point of view, we see a student who's not doing a lab, not training in homework, and we think, well, they don't care. They don't care enough about my class, but that's not necessarily what's happening. Maybe sometimes that's the case, but oftentimes there's there's something bigger going on. And, you know, as an instructor, I want to know what that is. But you, you all have this great position where you can kind of see the full picture and you can be a dis, not disinterested, an outside party who's not giving a grade to the student. So you might be able to get more from them than, than an instructor who's assigning a grade. They might not be as willing to share some of that with us. I know you have worked in a Title I school district uh, for Teach for America. You work for a group called Foundation for Access and Equity. And you worked as a liaison and program coordinator planning programming for the Hispanic community in Lake City, South Carolina. Now, I'm from Appalachia, and I'm interested in underserved communities. Do, do you find that there's any difference in how you have to help or what we can do to help students in those sorts of communities? So for our underserved communities, I'm still working with underserved communities because our students are virtually across South Carolina. They are in rural school districts that are also Title I. They have limited access. Uh, their technology goes down, just like that student who had to work on, couldn't work on their lab at home. These students have different circumstances. Their internet goes down. Their, even their schools being in the rural location have difficulties with internet. So just being aware as teachers and being able to understand those different circumstances that come up, being aware of different cultures and um maybe your own personal biases you may have 
throughout this process is incredibly important for our students. Crystal, in your opinion, what are the other things that are important for student success? So I think that an awareness of just what works for them, because I can and I can introduce so many time management strategies, best practices, um, so many organizational strategies, study skills, etc. And at the end of the day, if you know, I am introducing these skills and I'm using them and some of them do not work for me. And I ask myself, why is that? Am I bad? Am I not a good student? No, I'm the, none of these things are true. I'm successful, right? So if I put these towards my students and they are not able to use them for whatever reason. I'm, I'm teaching my students to block schedule like Elon Musk. They don't live that same life that he has, right? So putting these skills out there and then just letting them know you're not bad if you can't keep this up, if you can't do this. Neurodivergence is another thing that plays hugely into this. So just being aware of those things, those tools, taking the tools, using what works for you, and then always keeping this ongoing process going. Okay, so now this past time management strategy isn't working anymore. I have to look into what can work now after that. Recently, this year, I discovered my best time management strategy is writing on my refrigerator with an Expo marker, right? So hear me out. I found out that you can get a magnet schedule and put it, a clear magnet schedule, and put it on your refrigerator. And that's how the time management strategy works for me. I fill out that calendar each week. I follow that planner and I'm able to just go through and I do, it's less of the, it's all the jazz of just writing on the fridge without the mess. So just finding these skills and seeing what works for you. And I tell my students about this. I tell them, I, everybody's looking to find what works for them. Know you, find yourself. It's obvious how much caring and patience that you put into this job and all of the individual attention that you give the students. So I really appreciate that and you sharing with us today. And I also want to thank our audience for listening in. And remember, until next time, keep learning and growing. You have been listening to STEM Lab, produced in the studios of the South Carolina Governor's School for Science and Mathematics.